Happy Easter, everybody. <laughs> we'll try that again. Happy Easter, everybody. That's better. I see. I was going to do the old one and go, Christ is risen, hallelujah, hallelujah, but I knew you'd just look at me if I did that one. <laughs> it's great to be here today to worship with you. I've really missed being here in body. I've listened most weeks online or a week behind online, uh, but it's really good to be back amongst these people who I love and whom God brought me to live with and among nearly, well, six and a half years ago I've been here, seven years to the equivalent Sunday of next week um, would be the first time I preached. It was actually in April that year, but it's in March this year. Uh, Today is an all-age service with some zones to move around to if you feel like that, and I'll explain those as we get to them. If you want to just sit and have a relatively straightforward service, that's also possible within the context of our slightly crazy easy Easter celebration. Hear some words from Psalm 30. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his faithful ones, and give thanks to his holy name. His anger is but for a moment, his favour is for a lifetime. Weeping may linger for the night, but joy comes with the morning. You have turned my morning into dancing. You've taken off my sackcloth and clothed me with joy, so that my soul may praise you and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give you thanks forever. Our opening hymn is number 258 in the Red Hymn Book. The words are also appearing on the screen if you prefer that. And if you are able, I invite you to stand as we sing our opening hymn of praise. This joyful Eastertide, what need is there for grieving?
We're going to come to God now. I will lead us in a prayer, and then at the end of that, we will join together in saying the Lord's Prayer. And as is the custom here, you're invited to say that prayer in your own first language, and whichever version is most familiar to you. So let's come to God in prayer. Let's pray together. This is the day that the Lord... Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Resurrection God, on this day of all days, we marvel at the wonder of who you are. You spoke a word, and all that ever was, and ever will be, began to emerge out of the chaos and darkness of nothingness. You, who spoke promises of hope and the future, to elderly men like Abraham and Moses. You who journeyed with a company of emancipated slaves as they worked out what it meant to be a free nation. You who choose to enter our world via the womb of a peasant woman, growing up in a small northern town in an outpost of the Roman Empire. You who chose to draw into the heart of your own being all sorrow and sin, dying a violent and cruel death. You whose defeat of death and sin we celebrate this day, delighting in life restored and hope renewed. Resurrected Christ, on this day of all days, we come to you just as we are. Some of us are full of joyful expectation, eager to celebrate your return. Some of us are just so-so. It's another day, another Easter, and actually we expect very little. Some of us are tired, wearied by our own everyday lives, or worn down by the troubles of the wider world. Some are sad, some lonely. Maybe some are angry or confused or troubled. But each of us comes just as we are, knowing that in you is free and full acceptance. And that if we open our hearts to you, you will indeed turn our sorrow to dancing, our tears to joy, our fears to trust, and our emptiness to encounter. Resurrecting spirit, move among us all, replenish our faith. We fill our hearts with love and renew us for our ongoing journey of faith. Trusting in God's faithfulness, we join in the words Jesus taught his followers when they asked him how to pray, as we say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. <laughs> 
Sorry for the jittery uh, PowerPointing there. I did it in a hurry just before the service and missed a core of that. I wonder if um, some of the small people would like to come um, out to the front so you can see uh, the objects that I've got in my bag. I'm also going to show some pictures so that the grown-ups can see because, you know, they get a bit sulky when we get all the fun at the front. So do you want to bob down so you can see as I get... I may not get everything out... Uh, but I've got various things in my bag, and I'm going to go in the order they appear on the screen. Then it might make sense, otherwise it could get ever so complicated. Okay, so first of all, we have some badges. So these are badges. Can you see those? Anybody ever seen badges like that before? Yeah. You've seen, who's seen them like that? Yeah? You've seen those? That's all ones fail. Where have you seen those ones? On my school blazer. On your school blazer? Not those exact ones. Yeah, they are like the ones you wear on a school blazer. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yep. Well, these are the badges of the Amtsgastforbundet, which is uh, used to be, it finished in the 1990s. It's a Swedish Christian youth organisation for girls and boys. And in the 1980s, it used to be the case that the Girls' Brigade and Boys' Brigade across the whole UK and Ireland, the Amtsgastforbundet from Sweden, the FPF and FKF from Denmark, and something that I can't remember the name of from Finland, used to have uh, an Easter get-together for young adults in the age of 18 to 25. So when I was um, 20 and 21, I went to Finland and to Sweden at Easter to share in a camp with these. And this was one of the activities they got us doing one year. Uh, This was what we did when we were in Sweden. My artistic skills are not the greatest. They got us to decorate hard-boiled eggs. Anybody ever decorated hard-boiled eggs? Any grown-ups decorated hard-boiled eggs? Oh, quite a few people. And what did you do with them afterwards? Rolled them. Yeah, well, that's what I thought we were going to do when I was in Sweden. We had to decorate them, and then it got to tea time. And guess what was for tea? (laughs) The hard-boiled eggs that we'd done in the afternoon. So that was good fun, decorating eggs. Uh, It's a good thing to do to decorate eggs. Anybody know why we decorate eggs? Any ideas why we might have eggs? Oops, don't worry if it gets broken. That's right, one of the reasons we we like to have eggs is because eggs are a bit similar shape to a stone, so we think of the stone at the tomb. Anybody know any other reasons, Freya? That's right, yes, it also represents new life because chickens come out of eggs and if we're not got factory farming, chickens tend to be born around this time of year. So have a look at that and then pop it back in the egg box when we're done with it. Okay, what's next? Is a, what's next? Do you want to pass that one round? See what you can see what it is? Anyone know what that is? Aiden. It is an egg cup. Can you guess where it might come from? <laughs> well, you've got a look. It could have come from China, couldn't it? But it doesn't. Italy. Yeah, it says Italy on the bottom, but actually it didn't come from Italy. Ha <laughs> you see? It's a trick question. It was made in Italy, but it didn't come from Italy. This came from France. And when I was 14, I went on a school exchange trip to France <coughs> at Easter time. And so I got that um, little egg cup with an Easter egg in it, and it reminds me of my visit to France at Easter. So I've been to Finland at Easter, I've been to Sweden at Easter, and I've been to France at Easter. 
Okay, pass that one the other way. Who's that? Anybody know who the other Doesn't matter where that one's made. We're not worried about that one. Who is it on the cup? Mr. Bump. Why on earth would I have a Mr. Bump mug to remind me of Easter, do you think? Amelia. You don't know, it's a wait. Well, he does look a bit like an egg. All the Mr. Men look a bit like an egg. That's a really good answer, which I hadn't even thought of, so I've got to remember that one. Um, is it because Jesus died on the cross? Well, it could be because Jesus died on the cross. That's a really good answer. Yeah. That would be a great reason as well, yeah. Well, do you know what? I think you are all absolutely brilliant theologians. The reason I've got Mr. Bump is because my brother bought me an egg in a Mr. Bump mug when I was about 15. So I've kept my Mr. Bump mug all those long years. But wonderful. It just shows, doesn't it? If you want to, you can find God speaking to us even in a Mr. Bump mug. Okay, right. What's this one? Yeah. It is an egg, yes. I'm going to pass it around so everybody else can see it. It's a bit different, that egg, isn't it? Why is that one different? Because it opens up, yeah. Good. Well, it could be upside down, yes. <laughs> What's it made of? Cardboard. It is made of cardboard, made of paper. It's quite fragile, that egg. Oh, and the computer's just decided to uh, have a... Yeah. Are we not powered up? I'm confused. Oh, well, we'll worry about that in a minute. Okay, so that um, egg cup, uh, that's, that's an egg that my mum gave me um, when I was about 12, I think. And I treasured it because it was just quite fragile and a bit different. Now, this could be interesting because we seem to have a computer having a difficult fit. Computer's on, that's on. Right, we'll try and sort that out during the next song. Right, I'll have to show you. No, I'll see this one next. Right, what's this one? I'll have to hold it up. Cadbury's cream eggs. Who likes Cadbury's cream eggs? Oh, well, I'm afraid the first grown up with their hands up was Cadbury. So there we go. I don't eat chocolate anymore because it's not very great for me. But I always, when I was in, in Warrington, which is in the north of England, the last girls' brigade meeting we had before Easter, we always used to give all the girls. A Cadbury's cream egg. So that reminds me of that one. These are all really good memories, aren't they? Okay, what's this one? I'll hold it up so the grown-ups can see. Yeah, it's a hot cross bun. Can you eat it? You better ask your mum. What does mummy think? Yeah, mum thinks she can. Go on then. <laughs> and I brought a hot cross bun because when I was growing up, on Good Friday, you didn't get them in the supermarkets like you do now. You didn't get them all year round. You only got them at Easter week. And in the village where I lived, there was this um, baker's called Faulkner's, and they used to open at 7 o'clock in the morning on Good Friday. And my dad used to go on his bike and pedal all the way down to Faulkner's and wait to be first in the queue to get the hot cross buns straight out of the oven. So what do you think they were like straight out of the oven? Warm and smelt gorgeous. And then he would get on his bike and he'd pedal all the way back home, or he'd all be waiting and we would have those for our breakfast on Good Friday. So lots of happy memories of Easter. And lots of people do have happy memories of Easter. Um, it's a shame the uh, thing has decided to go on the blink. 
Uh, maybe it's a bit of an adventure by the Holy Spirit, who knows. I had one more picture I was going to show you, which um, was taken on the 4th of March, 1990. I'm just going to try and put this in case it's... No, it's actually gone off. It's probably the same problem that Mo had the other week, isn't it, of these computers deciding to reboot themselves. It's a photograph of my dad on his 65th birthday, because my dad's birthday was in March. And it's the very, very last photograph I ever took of my dad, because my dad died on the Wednesday after Easter that year. So although I've got lots and lots of happy memories about Easter, I've also got one sad memory about Easter. And that's okay, it's all right. But I know there are other people for whom Easter is quite difficult, because you remember that somebody was ill or somebody died or that a bad thing happened in your life and it's hard to get into that happy place that it seems that everybody else is and all of that's okay but the great thing about Easter is these memories that we have and these objects help us to think about the heart of Easter and you've done an amazing job I don't really need to do a sermon today because you've done an amazing job in thinking of all the things that these objects can remind us about God and about Jesus and about Easter. Yeah, there's nothing left in there apart from an empty box. So thank you very much. Can we pop those back into the um, container? And we're going to sing another song now. Um, unfortunately, it looks like the computer may be having a total dicky fit, but that's all right. It's a song that has been sung here before. Some people may know it and some people may not. We're going to give it a go. Um, it's called See What a Morning Gloriously Bright, and the words are on the sheet, so you can sing along there, and we'll see what happens if I can manage to get this computer to wake up again. So thanks, well, if you play it over.
microphone but not managed to resurrect a computer, so clearly a bit more practice is needed. We're going to hear now the story of Easter as retold by four different people and recorded for us in the scriptures. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid that they trembled and became like dead men. The angel spoke to the woman. You must not be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He's not here. He has been raised, just as he said. Come here and see the place where he was lying. Go quickly now and tell his disciples. He has been raised from death and now he is going to Galilee ahead of you. There you will see him. Remember what I have told you. So they left the tomb in a hurry, afraid and yet filled with joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them and said, Peace be with you. They came up to him, took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Do not be afraid, Jesus said to them. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. James and Salome bought spices so that they might come and anoint him. Very early on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. They were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? Looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, although it was extremely large. Entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting at the right, wearing a white robe, and they were amazed. He said to them, Do not be amazed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who has been crucified. He has risen. He is not here. Behold, here is the place where they laid him. Very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, carrying the spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the entrance to the tomb, so they went in, but they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. They stood there puzzled about this, when suddenly two men in bright, shining clothes stood by them. Full of fear, the women bowed down to the ground as the men said to them, Why are you looking among the dead for one who is alive? He is not here. He has been raised. Remember what he said to you while he was in Galilee. The Son of Man must be handed over to sinners, be crucified, and three days later rise to life. Then the women remembered his words, returned from the tomb, and told all these things to the eleven disciples and all the rest. The women were Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary the mother of James. They and the other women with them told these things to the apostles. But the apostles thought that what the women said was nonsense and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb. He bent down and saw the linen wrappings, but nothing else. Then he went back home, amazed at what had happened. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, 
and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. So we're going to have an opportunity to respond to that and to reflect on Easter in ways that are helpful and meaningful for us. This isn't about young people do one thing and grown-ups do another. It's about however you want to engage within the options that we have available. So if you would like to decorate a hard-boiled egg or several hard-boiled eggs, and hopefully if the weather holds, I'm very happy to whiz up to the botanics at the end of the service and have an egg roll. Uh, If it's pouring with rain, we won't. Uh, But there are eggs on the stage if you fancy decorating some. If you would like to decorate a cross or make a cross to take home uh, and hang up and remember the story in that way, there are three different options up on the mezzanine. Um, If you fancy doing some colouring, whatever age you are, we have Easter cards, mandalas, and just general grown-up colouring in the snug. Or you can stay put um, and listen to me. And you can listen to me from all the places. That's entirely possible. Uh, So Paul's going to play some music uh, to help us reflect on those readings a little bit and to move to where we want to go. Thank you, Paul. What I'm going to share with you this morning isn't so much a sermon, if by a sermon we mean something that is rooted in careful exegesis of scripture, plus or minus exposition and plus or minus application. What I'm going to share with you is a reflection that arises from my own experience and draws in some little bit about what I've learned about historical method and then returns us to the biblical narratives and our own attempts to make meaning as we seek a story to live by. Some of you will know that over the last year or so, I've grown increasingly concerned for the health and well-being of my mother, who, as well as becoming increasingly frail and experiencing repeated infections, has exhibited signs of confusion consistent with some form of dementia. I went to see her just over a week ago, and at the moment she can be quite lucid for a short period of time. But the truth is, her cognitive ability is diminishing, 
and with it her sense of chronology. And like countless other people in similar situations, I find it really hard to watch this person who gave birth to me, this person who made huge personal sacrifices on my behalf. I could have the opportunity she could only have dreamed of, entering a world into which I can't participate. And actually, the reality that one day, she may even not know who I am. One of the projects I've undertaken in my time while I've been off to help ensure that my visits with her are meaningful and will remain meaningful even when her sense of present is so much less has been to make a memory book containing photographs from her childhood. And of course there's a nice irony that my mum grew up in Glasgow even though I grew up in England and we somewhere swapped over. But also photographs taken over the years in different places that we lived Photographs of the childhood of myself and my siblings. Photographs of my parents. Photographs of pets. And as we sat together and leafed through it the first time, I could see how the memories were stirred and how, at a future date, meaningful conversations, however fleeting, would still be possible. My next challenge is what's called a soundtrack to life, and I'm very grateful to Nancy for introducing me to this to collect recordings of different pieces of music that will stimulate, stimulate memory and help us to have conversations. The TV programmes of the 70s and 80s and possibly the 60s, the things that she listened to on the radio as a girl growing up and so on and so forth. Memories are really important, however fleeting, however much they disappear again. They enable moments of delight and moments of connection. A couple of years ago, I took the decision to reintroduce the pattern we now use of saying the Lord's Prayer every Sunday morning and saying it in our own first languages and the, the, the forms with which we are familiar. And that's based on exactly the same thing. Because one of the great privileges I have as a minister is to go and visit people who are old and infirm, some of whom are just very, very frail, some of whose memories are not what they were. But I've always noticed that when we get to the Lord's Prayer, they join in. When we sing old hymns from years gone by, they'll usually manage at least the first verse, and often all the verses. And this is really important. This is why, as well as the Lord's Prayer, most Sundays I will choose at least one old hymn because it's about touchstones for people who are already a little more mature in years. As well as we learn new stuff, and I'm very grateful that Paul, with the psalm, often repeats things quite frequently. These are building up our own memories that will take us into a future when we are less able to connect with what is then the present. So the first recollection for me today, and I want to share, is the importance of making memories of recording memories and recalling memories. But you know what? The selection and the recollection are inevitably partial and particular. When I chatted with my sister, as the only one who's seen the, um, the book, my brothers haven't seen it yet, and we looked at the pictures and I would remember things she'd forgotten and she would remember things I'd forgotten. 
And what seemed really important to me seemed really trivial to her. And she said, well, what about so-and-so? And I thought, oh, yeah, because it just wasn't something that registered for me. What makes me glad, my memories of past Easter's, might make somebody else sad and vice versa. But they're really important, however imperfect they are, however factually inaccurate they might be, because they give us a link with the past and a thread through time that connects us with those who went before us and also with those who will come after us. One day somebody will tell our stories and it will be part of their memories, which at my age is probably okay. When I was 20 years younger, I might have found that very scary and if I was much older, it might be a bit troubling. But at my age, it's a kind of an okay to think about. When I was thinking about this reflection, one of the things that I felt very clearly drawn towards was the four accounts in the Gospels of the Resurrection. And I took the decision to hear all four of them, or part of all four of them, side by side. Because what that does is show us that whilst each of them is clearly talking about the same event, the details vary quite a lot. We have an earthquake, or we don't have an earthquake. We have angels, or we have nobody, or we have men in white. Maybe we have gods, and possibly we have Salome or Salome, or however her name's meant to be said. We pretty much always have Mary Magdalene, and quite often have Peter and maybe the beloved disciple, but it's not all exactly the same description. And some people get a bit worried about that, because if we take the view that the Gospels are actually meant to be historical accounts, then surely it all ought to tie up neat and tidy. After all, that would be true, wouldn't it, if you looked at any account of things in modern times? Well, actually, no, it's not. Just look at different newspapers or listen to different TV reports and you'll find even the same things are different. But I found myself very much reminded of some work I did a few years ago looking at aspects of historiography, the study of the method of writing history. And I was looking at to see whether there are developments in the secular field of history that would be useful to think about when we write church history. Because church history, by and large, seems to be stuck in what is known as a modern scientific method progress model. In other words, we, we do it very thoroughly. We get all the sources out and we read them, and that's great. And we think that we're on a trajectory in that direction, and that's the story we tell. And that's not wrong. And if you're over 40, I suspect that's the kind of history you grew up with. Scientific method does mean we can check, that somebody else can check that what we've done is logical and that the, the uh, conclusion we've reached is justifiable. But it doesn't mean it's objective. The truth is all history is written by people who, no matter how hard they try, are shaped by their age, their race, their gender, their geography and the era in which they live. Most history is written by people who have some degree of power, perhaps because they've got an official title. They might be the professor of history or the lecturer in modern studies or whatever it is. They might even be a church secretary or a church historian. And these kind of roles give them a little bit of respectability and authority, but it also means quite a bit of pressure because that organisation, whether it's a church or a university, has a sense of what story you ought to be telling. 
not an easy task to write history. Let's not think otherwise. The hermeneutic task, the the work of interpreting what is found and making some kind of sense out of it is challenging. Increasingly, historians are very consciously aware of the partiality of their work. And there's a move, at least in some circles, not to speak of history, singular, but to speak of histories, plural. To recognise as well that there's also a creative element or even a fictive element to writing story. History as poesis, something created, a bit like poetry, you make a meaning as you tell the story, or even as a myth, are emergent understandings that perhaps are helpful. And so my second reflection builds on the first. That making and recording and recalling memories is important. And that history is a form of memory with the potential to inform and inspire our present experience for good or ill, irrespective of whether or not it's demonstrably accurate or allegedly objective. Well, so what? What's any of that got to do with the Gospels and their varied retellings of the resurrection? Do we come to them as history books, seeking objective facts that we can prove? Be a bit tricky. Or do we come to them as a memory book, seeking to be reminded of a story that is for us as a community meaningful? We can be reasonably confident that each of these collections of stories that we know as Gospels was gathered and ordered within a specific local community of people who believed in Jesus, drawing on spoken oral traditions and quite possibly some shared written material. It's generally accepted that the gospel attributed to Mark was the first to be widely disseminated and it's also pretty much accepted that Matthew and Luke used that as a basis for their stories. In fact, if you had got your gospel rejected on the grounds of plagiarism, Matthew and Luke would have been in big trouble. But historical and textual approaches can just leave us tied in knots as to why the differences arise. And that's not always helpful. That takes us away from the purpose of the Gospels. What if we looked at them as memory books? What if we thought, rather than a neat, tidy, chronological or thematic account, this is a collection of snapshots, chosen to stir memories and prompt conversations, keeping alive the stories and the rich meanings embedded within them? There were no cameras. They couldn't take literal photographs. They didn't paint pictures and collect them into books because that just wouldn't have worked it had to be stories and every story in these gospels is there because somebody thought it was worth telling because somebody thought it had something to make us think one of the things that really struck me when I was making the memory book for my mum is that we don't problematize the memories in other words we don't analyze them we don't try to decide whether what I remember is accurate or what my sister remembers is accurate or my brothers or my mum We just enjoy the moment. We enjoy reliving the emotions, whether it's the smell of the flowers that we recall or the colour of the clothes, the warmth of the sun or the cold of the snow. Whatever it was, for a few moments we ponder how that has been part of our lives. We make meaning as we reflect and recall. We honour the past and we enjoy the present. We weave our experience into a unique tapestry We continue to live the story as we relive the memories. 
the same be true then of the resurrection stories? Might we re-enter our own past and re-experience some of what they have said to us in times gone by? Might we recall how they've informed the light of the faith communities of which we've been part? Might we find ourselves drawn again into the mystery and majesty of a story that we can never properly understand? Might we find in these stories, and indeed others in the Gospels, more than just memories of times past, more than just warm, fuzzy feelings, might we discover or recover meaning within them? And might we weave some new thread into our own story that brings more hope, more joy, more delight into our lives? I do wonder what it might mean if we chose to see the Gospels as memory books, as collections of images and stories designed to prompt our corporate memory of the God who in Christ has redeemed all things. Might they become more yet of a story for us to live by? The reality is that within a few days, we'll all have forgotten most, if not all, of what I've said. And you know what? That's fine. Not everything can be remembered, and the truth is I'll probably have forgotten it as well. Not everything is sufficiently important to be consciously remembered, but somehow it feeds us anyway. But perhaps in our personal memory books of faith, written so deeply within our hearts and our minds that age and infirmity cannot destroy them, we will find the mystery of this precious story that assures us that in Christ, death and sin have been defeated once and for all. We're going to sing a hymn now, number 491 in the Red Book. We thank you for the memories that fill our hearts today. Please stand if you're able as we sing.
people are still working on crafts, which is great. There's no need to come back quite yet. Uh, but for those in the main part of the church, we have an opportunity to share an interactive prayer together. Hopefully on your chair you've got a strip of coloured paper with um, flowers or eggs or bunnies and dots and things on it. If you haven't, I have some spares. These are actually Easter paper chains and there is a sticky bit just at one end. What I would like you to do is just to think what you would like to offer to God as a prayer today. It might be a thank you prayer. It might be a prayer about memories. It might be a prayer for somebody you care about. It might be a prayer for the world. And you might want to write it. And you might want to draw it or symbolise it, whatever is right for you. And if you prefer to leave the paper blank, that is absolutely fine too. And then I'm going to suggest, if we can, that we join them together in chains. Um, Some people like licking paper, some don't. So we might have to help each other. Um, But they go kind of like that, okay? And through each other, hopefully. If it goes wrong, it doesn't matter. But we're just going to take a few moments to write or draw or symbolise our prayers and join them together in a chain for God. continue to respond to God's goodness to us as we take up our offering for God's work in this place. So let's pray together. Loving God, you give us so many amazing memories and we keep making new ones and even when the day comes that the new ones fall straight out of our minds as far as as we make them, you are still part of them. And as we offer these gifts of money, so we offer ourselves afresh that everything we say and everything we do will somehow be good news to those we meet in the week ahead and through all time. Amen. We're going to sing a song which is printed on the sheet. This is the golden oldie, or one of the golden oldies for today. According to thy gracious word. And can I suggest we remain seated as we sing this one?
Okay, I have four distinct helpers. Um, everybody else is very welcome to gather around. Uh, the four distinct helpers have jobs to do, but it's fantastic that everybody wants to be around the table. This is our communion. It's a very low-key communion, and that is deliberate. And it's a great privilege to be served by some of the youngest among us. Do you remember what Jesus did on the night before he died? Do you remember what he said to his friends? Do you remember what he wanted them to remember? Do you remember what he wants us to do to help us to remember? Look, here's a box. So let's see what's inside. I'll do that. have a white cloth to cover our table. Fergus, would you like to look in the the box and see if you can find something to lift out and show it to everybody? Aidan, can you come and show this to people and then place it on the table? Sarah, can you come and put this item on the table? Show it to the people first so they can see what we're doing to help us remember And Freya, the last item. Okay, in a little bit of improvisation, the people who are around the table who haven't had a task yet, perhaps you could put for me one of these on the table. Sam, put one on. Carl, put one on. Uh, Merida and Max, if you would each like to put one of the plates on the table. No, that's okay. Okay. And now the four helpers again. Just pop these on the table if you can find somewhere to put them. I think this is what it was like when Jesus did it. Nobody quite knew what to expect. Nobody quite knew where everything was going to fit. But somehow, amazingly, it did. And he didn't have a liturgy to depart from, so that was even better. Sit down. Do you remember? Jesus took bread, and then he broke it and shared it with his friends. He said, when you do this, remember me. So let's do the same. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for bread to eat. Sometimes crusty, sometimes soft, sometimes spread with butter or jam, sometimes dipped in our soup. Whenever we eat it, help us to remember Jesus and to remember how much he loves us all. 
Amen. Do you remember? Jesus took a cup of wine, said a prayer, and then he shared it with his friends. He said, when you do this, remember me. So let's do the same. Let us pray to God, saying thank you for this juice, our wine, that we will share. Thank you, God, for wine and juice to drink, sometimes sweet and sometimes sour, Sometimes to celebrate something happy, and sometimes to honour the memory of someone we love. Whenever we drink it, help us to remember Jesus and how much he loves us all. We're going to share out the glasses and we'll hold on to them until everybody's been served, and then we'll drink together. For these are God's people. These are our brothers and sisters in Christ. These are the people with whom we make the memory and the people amongst whom we keep the memory alive. And let's drink together in gratitude and faith. Do you remember? Will we remember? Jesus said to his friends, whenever you eat bread and drink wine, remember me. So let's keep on doing the same. Let's remember to keep telling the story. Let's remember to keep the memory alive. Let's remember how much Jesus loves us all. Amen.
for the final blessing. Um, with the wonderful wonders of technology going foot, I forgot to give out the little freebie that I have for everybody. Uh, we have a little wooden Easter egg for everybody to take away, uh, to hang up somewhere or put in a drawer, and maybe one day you'll find it there and you think, oh yeah, I remember when I got that. So now let's ask God to bless us as we go on our way. God before time, God within time, God beyond time. As we go from here, carrying within us the remembrance of resurrection hope, may we know ourselves blessed every moment of every day by our memories of the story of the Christ whom we share. Amen.